0: Does it make sense living in fear a podcast about finding hope and yes we continue in this episode episode 4 on climate change today in this episode I want to get into the science of heat the atmosphere and carbon dioxide understanding the scientific facts really makes it hard to understand how the climate change theory or proposition can have any support scientifically. Excuse me, it it seems like my phone is ringing. Hello? Who's there? Who is this? My name
1: is Secret. But my identity that I can use with you is A. Gory Monster, or you can call me by the initials A. G. M. I've heard about you, Mr. McQuarrie, and I'm very disturbed. What has given you the qualifications to talk about
0: our climate? I think it's logic that gives me the right. I think it's the Second Amendment that gives me the right. What are your credentials? My
1: credentials aren't important we're talking about you you're the one with this podcast people like you spread lies another example is alex epstein who wrote the book the moral case for fossil fuels and he doesn't have a degree in atmospheric science or any science for that matter he's just a philosopher and it's just outrageous that people can think that they can talk about a subject that they are not an expert in.
0: So you think it's outrageous that people can think? Is that what I heard?
1: That isn't what I said. What I meant to say is only climate experts can talk about the climate.
0: So define for me who and what is a climate expert. Someone that has a degree in climate science that came from a prestigious school and is teaching climate science currently. So would Al Gore be an example of a climate expert? Yes, yes. Mr. AGM, let me read for you Al Gore's Wikipedia page. Gore enrolled in Harvard College in 1965. He initially planned to major in English and write novels. Write novels. Gore was an avid reader who fell in love with scientific and mathematical theories, but he did not do well in science classes and avoided taking math.
1: Al Gore has done more to save and protect this planet than anyone on Earth. And he won a Nobel Prize for his efforts and came out with an astoundingly great movie. And obviously, as a climate denier, you don't understand an inconvenient
0: truth. So let's go back to Al Gore's credentials, because I'm still trying to understand what you mean by a climate expert, because you did say that only climate experts deserve the right to be able to talk about climate change. And I do not have that same right because I'm not a climate expert. That is correct.
1: You are not a climate expert and you do not have the right to talk about the
0: subject. I'm reading from the Encyclopedia Britannica right now. Gore graduated from Harvard University in 1969 with a BA. He then enlisted in the Army. He served in the Vietnam War. Upon his return, he became a reporter for The Tennessean, a newspaper based in Nashville, Tennessee. While working through 1971 to 1976 for the paper, Gore also studied philosophy and law at Vanderbilt University. I do not see anything there with science, climate science, atmospheric science, physics, engineering, or anything that would fit your model of what a climate expert would be. Therefore, by definition, your definition, Al Gore does not have any rights to speak about climate. Mr. McQuarrie,
1: you are a climate denier, therefore you have no right to talk about climate.
0: Mr. AGM, I do not live in a totalitarian state. I live in the United States of America where there's a constitution and a freedom of speech. Al Gore can talk about, write about, preach about climate science. And I have those same rights to speak and to speak my mind. And if I choose, use logic and give a a logical reasoning for my viewpoints. This is the United States of America. It's not the USSR. Mr. McCrory you have now been put on the list of climate
1: deniers. The bottom line is this. We need to listen to real authorities like Al Gore and John Kerry. And we need to punish the big oil companies because they have known what they have been doing to our planet and our atmosphere and destroying
0: our climate. AGM, you're sounding a lot like... Greta Thorne in my side burger. I'm beginning to wonder, are you her father? Are you a wise guy?
1: You need to watch an inconvenient truth. It is filled with facts. Facts that can't be argued with. Facts that must be accepted. Facts that are unequivocal. Facts that represent the
0: absolute truth. Serious? Like the extinction of polar bears in the Arctic, you mean? Your denial is clearly blinding you of the truth
1: that Al Gore speaks about. Polar bears are going extinct. They are drowning in the water because of the melting of the ice.
0: Mr. AGM, are you familiar with the Dimmick case raised in the United Kingdom concerning an inconvenient truth?
1: No, and why should I care?
0: Well, the plaintiff cited 35 serious scientific errors in that movie. They sought an injunction to prevent this film from being shown in English schools because it was obvious to them and was also later obvious to the judge that this was a political film and not a scientific film. How do you spell gimmick? D-I-M-M-O-C-K. Let's talk about a specific fact in the movie. Polar bears. Their population, according to the film, the polar bear population was going to go extinct because of climate change. Here are what the numbers say about polar bear population estimates. In the nineteen fifties, the population of polar bears was estimated to be five thousand. Between nineteen sixty five and nineteen seventy, the population was estimated to be from eight thousand to ten thousand. In nineteen eighty four it was estimated to be 25,000 polar bears. In 2005, the estimate was 20,000 to 25,000 polar bears. In 2015, the polar bear population was 22,000 to 31,000. And up to this point, the sources are the New York Times, the International Bear Association, the International Wildlife, the IUCN, and the Polar Bear Study Group. There's a lot of data being taken on polar bears. It's just monumentally huge. The fact is, the polar bear population is thriving. I would recommend that you get the book, The Polar Bear Catastrophe That Never Happened. You can get it on Amazon and other booksellers. It is written by Susan Crockford, The publication date was March 17th, 2019. The polar bear catastrophe that never happened explains why the catastrophic decline in polar bear numbers we were promised in 2007 failed to materialize. So there you have it, Mr. AGM.
1: Why should I listen to you? Why should anyone listen to you? You're not an authority on polar bears nor are you an authority on climate or the atmosphere.
0: And either is Al Gore. As far as your choice in terms of whether you listen to me or not, that's completely your choice. You don't have to listen to me, Mr. AGM, but you cannot stop me talking about this subject. There is nothing you can do about it. AGM, is there anything else you want to talk about? No. No. I guess he hung up. There are three points I want to make after having that telephone call with AGM. First, AGM is a classic case of a control freak, someone that wants to control what you think, say, or do. They use fear tactics and other intimidation skills, such as you're not good enough to try to control you and try to minimize you and try to shut you up. Once you recognize this is happening... In any discourse that you might have with somebody and you realize, gosh, I feel afraid and I think it's for no reason, intimidation tactics are being used against you. Don't let that happen. And believe me, that's going to provide you with a lot of confidence and with confidence it's going to come hope in terms of your ability to control your life in your way and to be happy and content. If you're not making it personal, well, go ahead and speak your mind. If you want to make it personal, that's your choice. But don't let anybody tell you to shut up or that you're not qualified to speak on any topic. We all have our right to our opinions, and not everybody is going to agree with us, and that's fine. We don't want to live in a society where everybody thinks the same way. My second point is Alex Epstein wrote a great book, at least I think so, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. And it's true that Alex is... He has a degree in philosophy and a BA. Well, so does Al Gore in English. And did either of them take a lot of math courses? Probably not. But does that matter? No. So why do I like Alex's book? Well, there's no name calling. Why do I not like climate climate activist books? Because there's a tremendous amount of name calling and criticism of other people. Alex doesn't criticize anyone in the book at all. He just talks about his reasoning, his logic, and it's heavily referenced. There's hundreds of references in the back of the book. Each chapter has about 40 references that he cites. So if you disagree with something in the book, you can go back to the references and double check and to see if there are any errors. So that is a way... Uh, at least that's the type of book that I like, um, that I can check, I can verify, and I can validate their arguments. It gets really confusing in terms of the, the climate activists, because I sometimes don't even understand what they're talking about, because they're changing from one direction to another, and they don't reference enough where I can verify and validate their arguments, Maybe the reason why they don't do that is Al Gore's experience with the polar bears. He predicted that the polar bear population would go extinct or had a high probability of going extinct. And at the very least, that the population would diminish to almost extinct. And nothing like that has happened. So maybe that's why the climate activists are shying away from having very specific data. In fact, they call such a task, I think, cherry picking, um, which to me is just ludicrous. So let me go on to the final point. I am honored that AGM has put me on the list of climate denialists because there are some really spectacular people on this list. One of the people on the list of deniers is probably one of the greatest physicists and scientific minds that has ever lived, and his name is Freeman J. Dyson. He is no longer with us. He had a long life. Uh, he died in February of 2020. At one time, he was the head of the Institute for Advanced Study in Princeton, New Jersey. If you don't know what that is, that is where the smartest minds reside in the world. People that have gone there or are there currently It reads like a who's who of Nobel Prize laureates in physics and in mathematics. Albert Einstein, Kurt Godel, J. Robert Oppenheimer, John von Neumann. The complaint climate activists have had with Freeman J. Dyson is the fact that he said that the models being used to predict warming, global warming of one or two degrees centigrade, which to me isn't very much, are way too simplistic. He even suggested it's impossible to model a system like this. And he's right, because the climate system is a nonlinear, chaotic system. And by chaotic, I mean in the terms of chaos theory. It's just another example of how climate change activism is a religion that rejects anyone or anything that opposes their political point of view. As I sign off today, let me read some facts about Freeman J. Dyson that I'm reading off of the Institute of Advanced Studies. Freeman Dyson's work on quantum electrodynamics marked an epoch in physics The techniques he used in this domain form the foundation for most modern theoretical work in elementary particle physics and the quantum many-body problem. He has made highly original and important contributions to an astonishing range of topics, from number theory to advanced optics. In recent years, he has been a regular contributor to the New York Review of Books reviewing books about science and history of science for the general public. Freeman Dyson became a member in 1948 at the Institute for Advanced Study, not after he received his PhD degree, but three years after he received his BA from the University of Cambridge. This isn't unusual when you get a physics mind like this. For example, at the age of four, He tried to calculate the number of atoms that were in the sun. At the age of 15, he entered Trinity College of Cambridge. This wasn't some community college. This is the same college that Ramanujan did a lot of his work and studied. Ramanujan is probably the greatest mathematician that ever lived, by the way. In 1947, Dyson moved to the United States as a Commonwealth fellow for postgraduate study with Hans Beth at Cornell University. There he made the acquaintance of Richard Feynman. If you don't know who Hans Beth is or Richard Feynman, I highly recommend that you look him up on Wikipedia. At this point in his young life, this climate denier is surrounded by the smartest physicists in the whole world. Dyson joined the faculty at Cornell as a physics professor in 1951, though he still had no doctorate. In December 1952, Oppenheimer, the director of the Institute for Advanced Study in Princeton, New Jersey, offered Dyson a lifetime appointment at the Institute. And this guy is a climate denier? Thank you, AGM. This is an astonishing group of people I want to be part of. You have been listening to me, Gray McQuarrie. Does it make sense living in fear? I don't think Freeman Dyson ever lived in fear. Nor do I think Richard Feynman lived in fear. And he was the one that blew the lid off of the space shuttle disaster, the first one that occurred. When you know that you're using the scientific method and you're using logic and you're surrounded by the most smart minds in the world, it really doesn't matter what politicians say, because so many great things have been invented by the human mind and each of us has a contribution to make. Don't let anyone stop you from making your contribution. Proceed with hope and confidence.